So a few weeks ago, my wife and I took our two Arizona grandsons to Austin, Texas. And uh, we stayed with our son and daughter-in-law and their three sons. So we had five grandsons, ages four through nine. And at some point, my son and I decided to take all five grandsons fishing. There should be a picture there, and I'm the skinny one in the middle, just in case you, you know. Um, this is a very actually serene uh, picture that captures a time about an hour and a half into the fishing trip. But at the beginning, we had all five kids set up, and the youngest, the four-year-old, casted his, his line in, and as soon as the bobber hit the water, a little bluegill snatched onto it. So he reeled it in. He said, I got a fish, I got a fish. And he lifted it out, and it was the smallest bluegill known to man. I don't know how the fish got actually on the hook. It was smaller than the hook, I think. And so he's very excited, and the fish is flipping around. And then the four others see that, and they erupt. They want worms on their lines as well because the fish are biting. And so my son and I just started putting worms on, on lines, and then they started casting them, and they're going over each other. So we're trying to move them over here so they're not connected. And then one fishes, he, he casts, and he casts out kind of in front of him, but he turns at the last minute, and it goes right into a tree. So that one stuck. And um, after about two hours, the worms were gone. They probably caught about 20 fish and had great memories and as, as a papa, this was a, a memory that lasted a lifetime for me as well. So, give that pack of five grandsons 10 years, and life is going to look real different for them. They'll be high school, college, jobs and cars and girls, social media, I'm sure video games will be in the midst of all that. And the world will be tugging at their hearts. And the question poised by the writer of Psalm 119 will come to light. How can a young man keep his way pure? Today our text opens with a question about a pure way. Of the 22 stanzas in Psalm 119, only the second stanza bet, the H is silent, begins with a question, a literary device that is meant to show emphasis. Please open your Bibles with me to Psalm 119, 6 through 9, or 9 through 16, and I will read from the English Standard Version. How can a young man keep his way pure? by guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. 
Please pray with me. Father, we're grateful for the worship we just had. We're grateful to be gathering together. And Lord, I don't know the condition of the hearts of the people in this church, but you do. There were some that walked in today, Lord, that are joyful, that are in a, a season of rejoicing, and Lord, we rejoice with them. There are some, Lord, that have health that's deteriorating. Lord, we pray that you touch and heal them. Lord, we, we know that there are some that, that need to be encouraged today. Encourage them by your word. We know that there are some that are grieving, Lord. Comfort them. And Lord, would we be changed, myself included, all of us, Lord, as we walk out today after the hearing of this word. So bless, Lord, the preaching of this word this day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So this morning we'll look at the the question in verse 9 then seek to answer it with the rest of the psalm. How can a young man keep his way pure? The author of this psalm is unknown to us. The psalmist is older, and looking back on his life and asking the general question about the purity in his way, in his youth, what can keep even a young man's way pure? If a young man can keep his way pure, all of us can. The answer is God's Word, a purity of heart towards God, an unstained heart a heart fully absorbed by God and His Word to us. Unless you think that the way of purity means sinless, this is not the meaning of the word. One commentary says of this word purity, the verb rendered keep pure has the idea of being free from sin or the tarnish of sin. The word does not mean sinless. It means he's acquitted or free from it or righteous. So how do we as a church, grow in our purity of heart before God. My two points today are seek God in His Word and speak God's Word. The first point, seek God in His Word. You will notice that this stanza is packed full of verbs and intentional expressions of action by the psalmist. Words like guarding and seeking and storing up. The psalmist is busy at work with his focus on God's Word. One of the ways he answers the question of keeping purity of heart is by guarding it according to God's Word. This guarding shows an ongoing diligence by the psalmist. It is a continual act of guarding in the activities of his day. Verse 10 says, With my whole heart I will seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I like the reality expressed here by the psalmist. His desire is to seek God with his whole heart. The theme of whole heart is found throughout Psalm 119, and here are a few examples. From Jim's message last week, verse 2, Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. Jeff will preach on this in three weeks. Out of verse 34, Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Verse 69, the insolent smear me with lies, but with my whole heart I keep your precepts. And verse 145, with my whole heart I cry, answer me, O Lord, 
I will keep your statutes. While the psalmist desires to seek God with his whole heart, there's a tension here as he knows he's able to wander from God's commandments. He's aware that his heart can wander. It can be distracted from the Lord. There's a hymn that we sing here at Center Church called Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, and no, I won't sing it for you. But part of it goes like this. O to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. We've all experienced, we have all wandered from the Lord from time to time. It's a universal human experience that we migrate away from the Lord and not to him. The psalmist is aware of this and asks God to help him not wander. This is the first of two requests that the psalmist has of God. So a question. If God wants us to remain near him, and we ask him, like the psalmist, to let me not wander from you, why would God not honor this? God will answer this prayer every time because it reflects his heart for us. Do you find yourself in a place of wandering this morning? Have other people, things, or desires left you wandering away from God? Repent and turn from this. Turn back to God and obey his word. Getting back on track is as easy as recognizing this and turning from these distracted ways. Confessing to God that you have allowed other things to get in your way of your walk with him. Return to this loving God who is the best for you in your life. How do we keep our way pure? By seeking God with our whole hearts. We can wander from the Lord, and we can wander from his commandments. Commandments are God's orders from his throne room. Those who obey are blessed, and those who don't are cursed. Now, I have a rebel heart, just asked by mom. Growing up, if I was told one thing, I would normally buck against it, causing much myself, and especially my parents, much grief. I didn't much like orders or assignments back then. As I've matured as a Christian, I've come to see the great love that God has for me by giving me these commands. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. Maybe your perspective on those of us that follow Jesus is that we're rule followers and commandment followers. Maybe you've heard about, all of you have heard about God is that he's angry with you because you don't follow his commands. First of all, we Christians have the same difficulty following God's commands as you do. We struggle with pride, with lust, with wanting what others have. We struggle with desiring an easy, comfortable life. We fear the future in our rapidly changing culture. We turn to food or exercise or our phones for comfort more than God. We lose our patience, we get angry, and either verbally or in our minds, say unkind things to the ones that we love. If you can identify with any of these areas of failure, and God calls these failures sin 
we would love to talk with you. While Christians struggle with the same sinful desires and actions that you do, we have a place to find forgiveness for these sins. We turn to Jesus, God's Son, for forgiveness of our sins and our failures. Jesus was sent by God to earth to live a perfect life, an obedient life. He kept his way pure. With his whole heart, Jesus did seek God and obey. He followed every commandment of his fathers perfectly. He never sinned. He never rebelled against his father's plans, even when God's plans for Jesus were to die on the cross for our sins. While Jesus did die, he was also raised from the dead on the third day. He's alive and he's seated on the throne of heaven, interceding, yes, praying for us. He is there to walk us through any trial of our own making or one that just happens to us in this broken world. You see, he loves us. And he loves you. You only need to turn to him. Turn away from your sins and believe that he is Lord of your life. Come to Jesus today and become a Christian with us. Don't let this day pass without believing in him. Fellow Christian, we can and do wander from God's commands. We know that we should follow God's commands, yet we fail to do so. We may do this because we miss seeing God's commands as grace-filled. In Christopher Ashe's commentary on someone, Psalm 119 called Bible Delight, he says, but this is to misunderstand the words, the commands, which are two-way words whose first direction is grace. They're words that create and sustain relationship. To keep the covenant word is not and never was the ticking box of, legal, of a legal checklist. Always it was intended to be a matter of the heart. God's commands are in place to keep our hearts and lives safe and pure. Exodus 20 contains the Ten Commandments. These were given to Israel originally and are for us and for our good by our gracious God. Verse 3 says, You shall have no other gods before me. Other gods, small g, will not hold up to the rigors and challenges of our lives. They will fail us every time. They will not comfort us, encourage us, challenge us, and grow our faith. Only the one true and holy God can do this, and we need his power to walk us through life. Verses 13 through 17 say, You shall not commit murder. You shall not murder, commit adultery, steal, bear false witness, and covet. These are actions that lead to broken lives and families. God wants to keep us from these broken actions for our good. Now, there are many more commands of God, not just the Ten Commandments, but you get the idea. The commands or orders from God are meant to bless us if obeyed and will bring harsh difficulties if not. It is out of God's loving care that he gave Israel and us the commands to follow. If we are wise, humble, and submit to these, we will grow in godliness. How do we keep our way pure? 
by seeking God with our whole heart and honoring his commands. Verse 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The word word is a spoken word that communicates God's promise to those who delight in him. Storing up God's promises in our hearts is one way to avoid sin. And I'll show you how this has recently worked out in my life. So there are nights when I awake with fearful thoughts. How are my grandkids going to be affected by the culture that they're living in? How are we going to staff children's ministry in the, school, in the fall? How are my friends that are grieving doing? Am I really ministering to them? My calendar is so full. How will I keep up? Do you really think you can preach on Psalm 119? Preaching's not your fastball. Now, I'm sure that these fearful thoughts are my sin of not trusting God, and they may even be an attack from the devil, probably both. If I give in to the temptation of not trusting God in these moments, I sin against an all-powerful, totally sovereign God. Usually this causes a night of tossing and turning in bed and weariness in the morning. If, however, I turn to God's promise from 1 Peter 5, 6-7 that says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. If I cast my late-night anxieties on God, I don't have to carry them. And why? Because he cares for me. I am not just casting fears on an all-powerful God strong enough to take them from me. I'm casting them on an all-powerful God who cares for me. This is a reminder of God's great power and care for me. This promise can bring peace and a restful night's sleep. This promise also keeps me from sinning against the God that I love. When I trust him with my anxieties, I'm putting my trust in him for my life and my calling to this church. By storing up 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7 in my heart, I have the ability to fight my sin against God. Are you storing up promises in your heart? to avoid sinning against God and not trusting him with the aspects of your life. If not, begin to store up scriptures that will help you battle fear or other standing sin in your life. How do we keep our way pure? By storing up God's promises in our hearts that we may not sin against him. Verse 12 says, Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. At this point, the psalmist turns to praise God for who he is. This is after guarding God's word, seeking God's word with his whole heart, praying that God will keep his heart from wandering and storing up God's word in his heart. He is completely enveloped by God in his word. It's time to praise him. The book of Psalms was originals, Israel's original worship songbook. So Psalm 19 was sung at one point in ancient Israel. Again from Christopher Ashe. For this psalm opens us to a window. This psalm opens for us a window into a world 
where the people of God love the Word of God. It invites us not to look through the window as into a strange world, but to climb in, to enter this world and live in it as we too sing the psalm. While worship is not secondary to the psalmist, it's not secondary at our church either. It is not something we tack on to our services. That is why Zach and our other worship leaders spend time each week intentionally constructing the worship portion of our service. There's much planning that goes into each week. We also have a, a list of songs that have, we have chosen that are God-centered, gospel-centered words. We don't just add a song to this list because it's a recent hit on air one. This is why we encourage you to show up before our 10 o'clock service so that you can enter into worship from the beginning, from the call to worship. There's much time given to crafting a call to worship that prepares our heart for this time. And Zach, thank you for leading us in this way. I don't know where he is. Yeah, we can do that. Oh, you're on that side. With the psalmist in worship mode, he makes the second request of God. Teach me your statutes. The psalmist wants a deeper knowledge of God. Statutes are like decrees that are engraved in stone forever. Job was a man who had a deeper knowledge of God after a life-altering trial. From Job, um, verse, or chapter 42, verse 1, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Verse 5, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Job knew of God before his trial, but after his trial, he saw God. He'd experienced God in a way that had changed his view of the Lord forever. God did this by asking a series of questions to Job, chapters 38 to 40. And here's a few of those questions. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare it if you know all this. Can you send forth lightnings that they may go and say, here we are? Shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? He who argues with God, let him answer it. Job learned of God by questioning him. And that's one way to learn of God. May we learn about the statutes of God by studying him. While I was writing this, I took time to review Job 38 through 41 to reacquaint myself with the power of God. It was a refreshing time to remind my heart about the majesty and power of God. Want to learn more about God? Ask him to give you a view of himself through his word. Reacquaint yourself with God by studying his word. How do we keep our way pure? by worshiping him and learning his statutes. So seek God in his word. My second point, speak God's word. After seeking God in his word, we must take the next step and speak his word. Verse 13 says, With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. Jim shared with us last week that rules mean judgments of God toward those who are his. 
You can find more of an explanation on this page. We have some in the back and at the info counter that Jim put together for us. Last week he was telling you about this, but what he didn't say is that he was the one that did all the work. Jim loves doing this and he serves our church that way, so I'm grateful for him. The favorable rulings are from a gracious God to his people. The psalmist declares in present time these gracious rulings. The word declares is related to the idea of counting. One Bible verse says, say them one by one. The psalmist says aloud, one by one, the favorable rulings of a gracious God. As I prepared for this sermon, the Lord led me to begin reading Scripture out loud in my quiet times, early in the morning, no one's around, and I started reading Scripture aloud. And it was amazing, the results. So here's an example from Romans 11, 33 through 36. This is a crowd participation thing, so I'd like you to declare it with me. It should be up on the screen. There it is. Oh, the depths and the riches and wisdom. We can do better. <laughs> Knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has given him a gift that he might be repaid? For from him, through him, and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Try this. Try reading scripture aloud in your quiet time. God's words are not placed on the page to only mull over on our own, but to be shared. A way that I see this in action each week is by attending our church's prayer meetings. We have women's Zoom prayer on Tuesday mornings. We have senior Zoom prayer on Wednesdays. We have men's prayer in the coffee shop, and our staff gathers to pray as well on Thursdays. And then there's Sunday morning prayer in the, in the conference room. A few weeks ago, I sat in on three of these prayer meetings, and in each one, people were praying for others in our church by praying God's Word, declaring the Word of God in prayer back to God on behalf of one another. Declare God's Word to the one another's around you in your life. How do we keep our way pure? by declaring God's word individually and to others. Verse 14 says, In the way of your testimonies, I delight in as much as, I delight as, much as in all riches. The word testimonies bears witness to God's faithfulness and demonstrates his steadfast character. Do we delight in God for who he is? I have many testimonies of how God is protected provided, comforted, and encouraged me and my family. I can get in the habit of only focusing on what God has done and thank him for this. And while it's good to thank him, there is also a testimony of who God is that is praiseworthy as well. For instance, God is never changing or immutable. With a rapidly changing world, this attribute of God holds my soul fast. As we delight in what God has done, let us also delight in who God is. How do we keep our way pure? But by delighting 
in who God is. Verses 15 and 16 say, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. The final two verses of the Bet stanza end with the psalmist expressing two resolutions. The first is meditation on God's word and fixing his eyes on God's ways. One commentary says of this verse, the verb translated meditate is a little more involved. It can refer to a loud and enthusiastic form of speaking, either lamenting or declaring something significant. Here it seems to mean a thoughtful concentration on God's word. The emphasis in this section is on the psalmist's delight. Remember that Psalm 19 is a song to be sung, so singing with delight is captured here. The idea is to be so consumed with God's word that thoughtful, converse, thoughtful concentration is given to it out of a heart of delight. Now, if I were to be honest, I would say my delight scale in God's word is higher after I spend time in it than before. It seems as though the psalmist anticipates delight in God's word. Would you like to grow in delightful anticipation of God's word? I would. The second resolution is vowing to never forget God's word. The vow to never forget God's word comes again from a heart of delight. We don't forget what we delight in. Though fishing with my five grandsons was not fully delightful, I do have fun memories that will last a lifetime. If I read God's word, anticipating delight in it, joy in living life out of God's hand, encouragement when I'm down, peace in trial, compassion when I grieve, then I won't forget these words. They will make an impression on my heart that will never fade. The reason that we are going through Psalm 119 as a church is for all of us to delight in God's Word. I think sometimes we read God's Word out of duty. It's the thing we should do as a Christian. It's the box we can check. And there is an obedience. There is a battle to walk through as we read God's Word. It's not the thing that we lean into. It's something that we have to obey and step into. But there's a delighting in God's Word that we want to grow in as a leadership team with you as a church as well. Delighting in God's Word, anticipating what He may do, what He may say. This God who is invisible gave us His Word. He communicates with us all the time. But do we have ears to hear? Do we want to delight in God's Word? Our prayer is that we all delight in God's prayer, in God's Word, more. So how do we, the people of Center Church, keep our way pure? By guarding it. By seeking God with our whole hearts. By honoring His commands, storing up His promises in our hearts that we may not sin against Him. 
by worshiping him, declaring his word out loud, meditating on it with delight, and never forgetting it. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for this word that you've given us today. Lord, would it affect all of our hearts? Father, would we desire your word more as a result of this stanza, this bet stanza? Would we step in and obediently read, study, come alongside you in your word. But Lord, may you move us to the next place of delighting in your word. Lord, may we grow in that as a church. May we grow in the way that we pray that for others. May we grow in the way that we minister to others using your word, Lord. Lord, would you, would you write those verses on our hearts, Lord, that we may be able to share them and pray them and speak them to encourage the one another's in our lives. Lord, for those who are here that don't know you, draw them to yourself. I wasn't looking for you when you found me. Lord, would you draw some even to yourself today, Lord, and save their souls. Lord, bless this church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.